0: hey movie fans welcome back for another anatomy of movie here on popcorn talk your mission should you choose to watch or listen is to listen to us talk about mission impossible six quite possibly the best in the franchise stay tuned
1: welcome to popcorn talk featuring movie discussion news and interviews popcorn talk we talk movies and now here's popcorn talks anatomy of a movie
0: That's right, ladies and gentlemen. If you've gotten this far, it's too late to turn back. Now you have to watch the whole show. (laughs) We have Marissa Serafini.
2: Hello, everyone.
0: We have Dimitri Panos. Hey, movie
1: fans. The fuse has been lit.
0: That's right. (laughs) Hopefully it doesn't fizzle out. (laughs) And, in fact, creates a great thing. I'm Phil Svitek. As mentioned, we're talking Tom Cruise, Christopher McQuarrie, Mission Impossible, colon, Fallout, MI6... Um, As we always do, we are not just a review show. We're an in-depth show that talks about the the makings of all this. We talk about the box office, the promotion, especially with a movie like this. Uh, The story's story's okay, but the the interesting aspects is how they made this. Um, And, of course, we talk box office numbers and also the reception of it. As I mentioned at the top, quite possibly the best movie. We'll find out who's saying that and who's not saying that. If we're saying that too, you can follow along with our rundown. It's in the description box, it's a little PDF. You just click that, and it's got tons of great notes for you. And lastly, if you couldn't tell, if you're joining us for the very first time, well, hey, welcome. But, spoiler warning. Not just perhaps for this movie, but for all the m i movies, mm-hmm. so be forewarned there. If you haven't seen it, please do yourself a favor. I know some of you guys like to listen to this regardless of having seen the movie. I highly, highly discourage that, not discouraging you from ever listening to the show, but but just see this movie first before listening to us. anyway, without further ado, let us get into overall thoughts. Marissa Serafini.
2: Yeah. I was really Give us your excited. dossier. Yeah, I was really excited for this film. Um, I I really and usually enjoyed the Mission Impossible films and like they're really high action. I, I think the storylines are great. Um, I think Rogue Nation was fantastic and I saw that so many times that when I saw the trailer for this one I got even more amped and more excited for this one compared to Rogue Nation and I think this was just as great. I love the cast. I love the storylines. I was really excited to see this and it exceeded all my expectations because we know it's high octane. It just hit on so many levels for me. I really enjoyed it. I can't wait to talk about it.
1: Awesome. Dimitri. Yeah, I mean, this is a series that has uh, that has gotten better uh, and, and has revamped itself. You know, you had Brian De Palma doing the first one. John Woo uh, directed uh, Mission Impossible 2. And then we get J.J. J.J. Abrams, J.J. Abrams, who sort of kind of takes it into in each one. So you had the Brian De Palma. John Woo's a different director than Brian De Palma. J.J. Abrams is different than the both of them, right? And he brings it, it... You know, he actually introduces story elements that are relevant throughout the rest of the series up till now. Right? Up until Fallout. Then you get Brad Bird. Right? A fantastic director. And then this Chris McQuarrie. You know, this guy... He sort of knows his stuff. Right? And he's he's the only director to come back to do a sequel, so to speak. uh In and section. and Within this franchise. And literally I think it's the best action movie of the summer. It stands out from every action movie that you can see within the year or so because of uh, the stunts and because it's you really get the sense that this is Tom Cruise is doing this and if I were to ever interview him, one of my first questions would be what is missing in your life that you need to be hanging from a helicopter? <laughs> like, but but it lends a realism to this movie. Like, we talked a few weeks ago about Rampage. Uh, not Rampage. We talked about Skyscraper. Mm-hmm. Fun movie and all. But you know that The Rock ain't hanging from a girder like, you know, 100,000 feet up in the air where Tom, Tom Cruise, Cruise is. is. No. And it lends this realism that this edge-of-your-seat adrenaline uh rush that you don't get uh today and this movie delivers right now i'd have to say it's it's probably my 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 top two films of the year um i remember seeing and we'll talk i know more about this but at CinemaCon, chris mccrory tom cruise came out and they did a film 101 about the halo jump and yes was, don't 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 no, 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 you no, gotta no, give no, him but, a tea you give yeah.
0: all the way the goods. I'm not.
1: No, I'm not, because here's the thing. They had me hooked on that, right? And that comes in the first 20 minutes of the movie, and everything after it is equally as, as amazing as... I was like, you, you would think the Halo jump would be a benchmark. It's not. There's more of this movie, and, and it was just amazing. I thought the twists were fun. One of them I felt was a MacGuffin, but I just felt from a story perspective it was so solid and so fun.
0: Absolutely. So it was great. Yeah. Well, I'll summarize it in this way. I can't take credit for this quote. I forget who said it, but uh, one man's vanity has never been more beneficial for a movie. Because part of it yeah. in that way every shot that's there is meant to showcase that this is Tom Cruise actually doing the action. And the movie's better for it because you see that, oh, it's Tom Cruise doing the action. And secondly, what I what I appreciate most about this movie is that even though it's a little bit long, it takes its time very deliberately. Each action set piece, it's not, believe it, as fast-paced and ho- high-octane as it is, it takes its time. Everything is very methodical. And it just goes on. Each little sequence, most movies would cut right away and and things like that. This just keeps going and going and really intensifies the action that you're seeing. So uh, each action set piece in and of itself could be a short movie.
2: Oh, for sure. And I think that's the that's what makes Mission Impossible series like so iconic and so relevant just in filmmaking style because they have set a bar for action films. When you talk about what makes an action film, you like in a, in the dictionary you would see Mission Impossible right next to it. And and I think that's why everyone enjoys it because they up the ante every single freaking movie and you're like, "What else can you do next?"
1: yeah and 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 it's and again it just goes to what do what's missing in your life mr cruz why do you put yourself through this and to your point though when we start talking about tom cruise and such uh because we talked about him last year in the mummy and i think it's important to bring up in the conversation because he works well with people who i believe are his muses and vice versa director actor actor director um and, and, and I don't necessarily call it vanity. He's just willing to put himself out there. And he has been since the beginning. And if you're, if you're a movie geek and nerd like myself and you get the Blu-rays or DVDs or whatever it is and you watch the bonus features and you see him doing these, it has become part of their marketing. You know, it's become a marketing tool showing that, yes, we had Tom Cruise in um, Dubai hanging off the tallest building. We had him in Shanghai sliding down this, you know. Skyscraper. (laughs) Skyscraper. And and it's become part of the marketing. Uh, And it works because when you see it and you walk out of the theater when you're done, you hear people around you going, Action was off the rails. The action was amazing. They're on their phones talking about the action, and it looks so unique because it's there. Doesn't seem to be a lot of blue screen involved.
0: Yeah. And what's great, what I do appreciate, and <clears throat> we'll see if they can keep up the pace. Should they choose to continue, pun intended. <laughs> it, it, you know, we're getting these movies faster and faster certainly from like the 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 shortest amount of time between two movies in the mission impossible franchise is this. Mm-hmm. Right. And not only that, we also this one happens to be the longest in the series. Uh-huh. And as we've mentioned at at this point they didn't phone it in. It's not like, oh, let's just crank out another one and call it a day. They they took their time and in fact the movie wasn't completed till July 3rd, which is just a couple of days before the premiere.
2: Right. And and like this the production was pushed a few months because of Tom Cruise's ankle breaking moment. And so like had that not happened, it might have been released earlier, even though they they had a set date for for this movie. But I mean, we could have gotten it faster. but I and I don't mind that it got released only three years later because it is this particular one, Fallout is so tied to Rogue Nation. And a lot of the Mission Impossibles are very, you can say, isolated, um, very self-contained. In in the most part, you can watch whatever one by itself and enjoy it. This one does heavily tie to the last one.
1: It does, but it's again, starting with the J.J. Abrams when he introduces Michelle Monaghan's character, who's been a threat throughout, um, which has been fascinating because it's the movies somewhat hinge on them and they don't. Um, It's it's been it's been a fascinating, great franchise to watch, uh, and and to see it mature. And to your point, Phil, Chris McQuarrie in writing this, yeah, I did feel that he wanted to ensure that the audience was able to follow along, and he did it in that that uh, sort of this exposition way that didn't feel like exposition. Took its time before it got to the next set piece, so by the time we get there we know why we're there and we know what that mission aka set piece ha- what need be accomplished so he sets up the barriers uh, and that's really solid screenwriting and again this is the guy that you know usual su- suspects
0: this guy well, so here's one of the things that just floored me um, and because you you have the D, the Blu-rays and so forth, and you watch the commentary, maybe you've heard this part part of it too. When they're talking, this this is for um, the last movie, but they talk about it applying to this movie as well. They kind of just. Create these scenarios and leave blanks. So, for example, when they're like, hey, uh, we got to go do this, and he's looking at a screen, they'll fill the screen in later with mumbo jumbo as far as what the actual thing is. And they'll film whoever saying, okay, got it, we'll do <laughs> whatever that we'll do is. And then move on to. So, they're. And as far as the script, they're just kind of writing it as they go. And I, I was just floored by this because. The sheer magnitude that a movie like this exists, and yes, it's far-fetched as far as it's MacGuffins and what's the stakes of it all, but the fact that it makes any any sense whatsoever is a miracle and a testament to them being able to pull this off.
1: Yeah, and, you know, just taking uh, what Marissa said a a few moments ago about how this ties into the last movie, Rogue Nation... (laughs) They also took great care to tie it into the very first Impossible, Mission Impossible movie as well. This is the daughter of Max, who uh, right now I forget who the uh, I forget who the esteemed actress was Vanessa that played Vanessa Redgrave. Um, this is the daughter of Max who was in the first movie, and there was some great banter. And she, this Max, played a great part in the first movie. Um, Some amazing banter between her and Cruz or Ethan Hunt. So it's really funny how they integrate that little Easter egg and they tie it back to the original. And it uh, also shows this growth of Ethan Hunt's character as well coming into this because if you, uh, Cable has had the Mission Impossible movies on. And when you look at him in the first one, compared to now, like how Ethan Hunt has matured in a sense uh it's it's quite a fascinating franchise to watch from beginning to up to now and chris mccrory again the way that they'll talk about we need to do a halo jump yeah okay all right how are we gonna fit that how do we make it fit into it's like they come up with the scenario it's like how do we fit that into a movie oh well then we gotta do this 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 and then we get to that
0: (laughs) you know and 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 it makes sense. I mean, out of all the things that they needed to pull off, the halo jump was the least like, okay, you really didn't need <coughs> to do that, but okay.
2: But he wanted to. No. Yeah.
0: You know, I, f- I feel like they could have just walked in somehow.
2: <laughs> I was like, is there an easier way to <laughs> but make why? an entrance? Well,
1: like, there's no excitement in that. Um, you know, the, the halo jump, again, like I said, I saw it in its rawest form, and I was still on the edge of my seat and learning how they did it. It was great seeing it fully realized I'm like
0: wow this is great
1: but then there's the helicopter scene at the end well, let,
0: let's so, s- since we're on the yeah, Halo on. might as well dive in there uh, and then we'll, we'll backtrack uh, a bit to the dive story in. <laughs> yes indeed so high altitude low opening is what Halo truly stands for you can also do high altitude um, wide opening but we're not we're not about that here. <laughs> Marissa, give us uh give us the intel on Halo.
2: Yeah, get so them. they had to do over a hundred and six jumps for to to get like all the moving parts and like piece it together, but and the the interesting thing about the jump is also the cinematographer was he had the experience in filming but not in a narrative standpoint. Um he he the cinematographer that they used was actually like very experienced in jumping but not experienced in storytelling. So they had to rehearse so many times just with the cinematographer to make sure he captured the the actor movements and certain aspects of that just for the storytelling, let alone the actual technical Aspect of it, but I mean, and it, it's cool because you really don't think of it. For a halo jump, is like, oh, let's just jump out of a plane. No, not really. And they had to do a lot of it, at, like during the film. It was like sunset time, right. so they only had a small window during the day that they could film it. Um, it was like in, technically a night sequence, but it was in the window of like light just after sundown, and to get. All these jumps within a three-minute window over a 100-plus times. I mean, good for them. And that was just the Halo sequence.
1: Yeah, well, and in, in just to take it further, it was, outside of only having about three minutes or so to get the right sunlight for continuity purposes, you had... Uh, and again, Macquarie and Cruz talked about this. They showed us uh, drawings, they showed us animatics of it, uh, and then they showed us a rough cut. They showed the audience a rough cut. And the cameraman, as you were talking about, um, not only was it like precision choreographed, so the cameraman himself had the rig up on his head, okay? So he could not see through the camera. And he had the controls of the camera in his hands, so he had to figure out, again, where people were and to keep them in focus. He had to jump out of the plane first, backwards. So that Tom Cruise had to come within three Three feet, feet, three to four feet. There really was very little give in order for him to be in focus, to be in the proper focus. So it relied on the cameraman. It relied on Tom Cruise. They made a special rig so that you can see their faces because most Halo jumps, and we've seen Halo jumps before. Uh, Godzilla used a Halo jump. Yeah. Um, and they have a mask that covers your face, and they're like, "Well, we can't cover the actors' faces because we want this real." So Tom Cruise, and again, and again in his professionalism, he jumps out of the plane and is able to literally float, hover above his cameraman for jet and be within that level uh, of three feet and inches, give or take. And he couldn't vary off. And then let the cameraman fly around him and let him go down. The brilliance of all this is that it looks like one... Right there. It looks like one continual shot. And then go ahead and they showed us each section through animatics uh, and how it was filmed. And it was just 106 times. It's amazing. And when you throw in the special effects... Like, which we never saw. And they were saying, okay, this is where the lightning strikes. Like, uh, when you see it and the lightning strikes and it that sound kicks in in the soundtrack, you're like, oh, I was still in the edge of my right. seat.
2: And granted, all the oh, halo jumps were done <clears throat> after Tom had injured his ankle. Yeah. So this was already like far into production. And just the the cinematography and the technical aspect, they had to custom design the gear yeah. of Tom Cruise just for this Halo jump because they had to illuminate you know right. his face and, for the acting, and, and the
1: same with Henry. Uh, and, and, and Henry Cavill, and just
2: so right. us the audience can understand who's in. You know who's who when they're jumping. So just to light it properly and the gear, because it is a true Halo jump too. One spark could have lit Tom's head on fire, right. and obviously that would be bad. So a lot of things went into just the Halo jump. Yeah, it was incredible.
1: And, and when you think about it too, that's 106 days of shooting. Because it was they couldn't do multiple jumps in a day because of the sunlight that's a hun- that's almost a year's worth in putting about three minutes on film give or take that's a hundred and six mm-hmm. days of filming
0: that's that's definitely a long time <laughs> and uh, th- there's a good it's not an exact quote but paraphrasing Henry Cowell said that nothing be a Superman prepared him to be in this action movie and you would think Superman flies well no he does not <laughs> no, he, <laughs> he falls no. out of a plane nope. and it's not the same
2: uh, no so Craig I, O'Brien was the cinematographer for the Halo Jump That's Craig O'Brien Craig yep. O'Brien
0: so uh, and, and it pays off well on screen like again it just it all she just shows and we've talked about this with other movies but no other movie that we have talked about can really encompass and embody. When you use practicality to film something, it just looks the way it does. Unlike you know, Mar- we talked Marvel movies and they're great and all that, but y- you know, none of it is Mostly actually happening.
2: Screen, and also I think the last film that we talked about were like real practical stunts kind of to this level but not as high obviously uh, it was probably tomb raider because we we mm-hmm. listed um we, we talked to how they had to drop alicia vikander into the water over right. 20 times right compared to 106 times for a, a halo jump i mean that it does happen with real actors but you think 20 is a lot 106 is a lot
1: yeah and again it just goes back to uh And and, like, hopefully, we get to talk about this a little later. But I think it's the simpatico that Chris McQuarrie and Tom Cruise have, because if you go back to movies like Jack Reacher, uh, which I think was their first film together, and you look at the car chase sequence, right? That was that's Tom Cruise actually driving that car. It's a real car. It's a legit car chase that that is not blue screened at all. Tom Cruise doing his own driving, which uh, in Rogue Nation, there's the great great car chase scene that happened. Yeah, the motor the motorcycle scene. It, it, it's something that he and MacQuarie can work out. Tom Cruise knows how to ride a motorcycle. Uh, he was doing it uh, at least uh, since since Mission Impossible two, and they just ramp it up more and more and more. The car chase scene here is is again fin. You're just weaving in and out, especially to the motorcycle it's crazy and not even necessarily having to use a soundtrack it's it's so ramped up and you're on the edge of your seat it's what summer movie going is about it's it's and you can tell the realism
0: absolutely and in fact i was gonna say i would love uh tomb raiders paramount right they should do like some cross collaboration of ethan hunt dude
2: how awesome (laughs) would that be I'm cruising Lisa Vicanner? Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Anyway, uh, there's there's my plug to Paramount. You wanna make some money? Do that. There you go. Alright. Uh, so let's let's talk about it. Uh, this is kind of the the first big well, not the first big thing, but um, This is where the the fallout, the title of the movie, really starts to have a meaning because Lane Solomon Lane—they're out to get him, and uh, you know it's never going to go easy. Um, We have the dream sequence, or whatever you want to call it, the fantasy sequence of how it's supposed to go. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, just a little quick side note on that: uh, Christopher McQuarrie, as far as he went to the editor, because the editor's like, "We got to have some sound and something in this," and he's like, "No, because that'll that'll give away the notion that it's a, a fantasy." It'll engrave it in people's mind that it's real, and what we're going for, we need them to know that this is a fantasy, right. because then what happens is quite the opposite. Right. And so when you talk about the, you know, the uh, the motorcycle chase scene, that's one aspect of this really elongated. I mean, I don't even know how to properly break this up into parts, as far as each little section. Um, and and what's great is that you have multiple. Things going on at the same time happening. Yeah. You have um, Salmon Lane and the truck. You have Il- the introduction of Ilsa uh, again. You know we saw her in the bathroom, but now she's back at it, um, and and all that going into it.
2: I don't think I completely agree because they did a great job of explaining to the audience, like. This is going to happen right. here. You're going to get diverted here. And then that's all the audience knew. It was like we knew right. they were going to go off on a detour. That's it. And so when you add the the factor of Ilse following them, you don't expect that. When you add the fact that they changed it after they diverted, we were like, where is this going to go? Because we... We as the audience only knew that they were going to get diverted and knew nothing else right. afterwards, and yeah. I thought that was brilliant.
1: Yeah. So, and in, in, in the the great thing about this too is filming this the the this scene. So, <clears throat> Chris McQuarrie, uh, you know, is, is has said he's he's not unaccustomed to filming a chase scene, and we've seen that on film. He said the the, the one issue here that they had was. Um, All the safety rigs that they built for Tom Cruise, they all failed. (laughs) So they ended up shooting the entire thing practically. He just went for it. The challenge was there. Limited time he had in each location. And they only had the arc uh, de for about 90 minutes to do this. And when you think about this scene, again, Tom, what's missing in your life? It had to be so precisely choreographed because he's driving against traffic, through traffic, through
2: intersections. Sometimes backwards. (laughs) Sometimes
1: backwards. I mean, to edge this together, and then have your, and we'll talk editing, and the way that it was edited, and then the way that that motorcycle chase ends, like where it hits the car, and then the camera switches, and it rolls, and it rolls, and it hasn't stopped, Tom Cruise's face right in the camera, and you go... How the hell
2: did they do that? I was like, oh, poor (laughs) Elsa. Damn, girl. She can really take a hit.
1: Yeah, and it's just, again, it raises the adrenaline when you're in a great theater to see this. And, uh, and, you know, and again, bringing Rebecca Ferguson over. Love her.
2: Fucking love her.
1: Is a great idea as well because, you know, you had, um, uh, who was the woman in... um, Oh, I can't think of her name. She was uh patent um,
0: Which which movie?
1: Uh, Rogue Nation. Wait, who's in Rogue Rebecca Ferguson it was, Rebecca. was in Rebecca. The, the third um, the fourth mission impossible. Oh, good. Because this first, is six. Huh? Patton. She was married to Alan. Paula Patton. Patton, Yes. Right. You know Michelle Monaghan has been in them, but Dandy Newton was in the second one. She's Mm -hmm. not. You know they've sort of kind of the team changes, and they've had our regulars like Benji has become a regular. Um, We missed out on Jeremy Renner, but there was more of Alec Baldwin. Yeah. Uh, I think because of that,
2: and of course we had Ving. <coughs>
1: Ving, right? He was, he was great in this movie.
2: As
1: I was um, so and they need to do something with with Jeremy Renner uh, not being in this the, the, this franchise.
2: But, but it's also good. Sorry, <clears> not to cut no. you off. It to take another. Alpha male out because we had more Alpha females in this one too And this is probably uh, also Another reason why I like this movie so much is that it, For the first time in all The mission movies it felt like a Balanced gender film There were a lot of males Also a lot of strong females
0: Yeah I could see that Let me ask you Is this uh, One of the things especially early on in the movie It felt like they were kind of making Fun of Ethan Hunt just like he was running out of breath uh his motorcycle wouldn't start at the start of the sequence and all these things and i thought is he is he losing his edge what what the hell's happening here and i thought that it would kind of play more of a role as far as him like overcoming those aspects
2: no i don't think it was more like is he losing his edge it's it just shows just how versatile Ethan Hunt is because he's able to adjust and adapt to situations so quickly. Like, his motorcycle's not working. It's like, all right, I'm gonna catch up with you. Uh, when Elsa got not to jump ahead, when she got kidnapped, whatever, and, t- and tied, it, I felt like every action sequence had a moment where, like, okay, we have to improvise. Just go. Just go.
1: Yeah, and I think that, too, that it, <clears throat> it also uh, countermans. The, the, the movie cliché where, you know, the hero gets on the bike. And, of course, it immediately starts. Hero's able to get a parking spot right in front of the museum. Of course. Uh, you know, this movie was like, our hero's bike. he like, the other guy goes off and he's like, damn it. <laughs> and it ratchets up the tension because the pursuers are getting closer and closer and closer each time he's trying to ramp up their bike. I think it comes down to a conversation that they're having, and I think it's Macquarie's skill as as building tension. And you go against cliché. And by doing that, you come up with something that makes it like, oh boy, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You know, it's like jumping. It's like, you need to take a left now. Why'd you stop? Because I'm jumping out a window. Oh, I didn't see that. Oh, I'm I didn't sorry. have it on 2D. You know, that scene, humor and great action. And we see Tom Cruise break his ankle. And yet he was still able to run towards the camera. You know, I mean, that's the level of realism that that is unique to this franchise. And I think to all action movies, in all honesty. Again, when you talk about Skyscraper, which is an action movie... We know The Rock is in, in a ton of peril. I'm not saying he's not 60 feet up, which if he fell, that could hurt. But he's not hanging from a rock or a yes. cliff.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the things I, I do want to also credit uh, Tom and, and whoever you want, ultimately. But the fact that he's he's man enough to go up against a man. Like, Henry Cavill is a beast. And, you know, that plays a factor into it because... Like, you kind of look at him, and, and, and he's towering over Tom, and the normal action hero, it's like, okay, this is your big, big badass dude, and mm-hmm. oh, we support him, at least in the traditional sense, Like, you, uh, and that is not the case deliberately with this. Yeah. And I, I, I think that, that's a, I appreciated that aspect of it.
1: Yeah, and, and for Henry Cavill, too, I mean, so he's played the Man of Steel, right?
2: Yeah. <laughs> Ironically, oh. replacing Tom Cruise. <clears throat> In that film.
1: Yeah, well, (laughs) so, yeah, and he, like, because he's Superman, he's big, he's larger than life because he's Superman. This movie here, I think, really showcased his brawn because, you that fight scene in the bathroom... Again, one of those brutal hand-to-hand things, and they were both getting beat to death. So when Henry Cavill is able to get back up, and you can see that he's that he is bigger than Cruz, but when he does this, like, all right, I'm back in, like, I'm back in the ring, and he does that, you're like, oh, it's on. And you believe him because of his—he really, he's a really brawny guy. Yes. And he brawny. did that—he
0: uh, improv that moment, and they're like, "Oh, damn!" Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> the fist pump. Well, the thing is, that Henry Cavill—he said in interviews that for Superman, it's more about the physicality. Um, like his workout is to build the physical image mm-hmm. and, and embodiment of Superman. And then Mission Impossible, he doesn't really have the training, the technical training of pulling off stunts. Right. He has the physical. Look, of a character, not the technical aspect of a character. Yeah. So it, it was a challenge for him.
0: Yeah. Well, he pulled it off. Oh,
1: he yeah. pulls it off. Mustache yeah, and all. I think. Yeah.
2: American accent and all. Yeah,
1: I think he did a really. I think he did a really amazing job uh, here, and I don't think it was a risk for him. Like spoiler, I mean, him being the bad guy. Number one, I I, I believe because you could see that coming about a mile away the moment he swaps out the phone right Mm -hmm. you know that he's this guy if people are going to complain about that my argument against that is you know that twist really isn't the important twist of the movie I think you're meant to figure that out early on there are other twists that happen that are brought up that are far larger and have bigger implications like who like because he's the he's the main obstacle that cruise is going to have to get by at the end of the movie, and it's proven. So, a- again, the way that this screenplay was written, I found that, you're, like, they give us this twist, but they give us this one nugget that we can figure out for ourselves so that everything else seems and appears even bigger and more relevant to the story and moving it on.
0: So, yeah, I mean, the, the, the whole crux of the movie works on this idea of dramatic irony. Like, we <laughs> know what's... we know. The mission, quote unquote, just like we, like you know, we'll get to it. But like the last action set piece, we know what needs to happen. How mm. the hell is it going to happen? Right, and that's the fun part of of it all. Um, truly, I also want to talk about. Um, just take a quick moment, since we're kind of on the twist and turns. Alec Baldwin, his character. You know, all in all, if it wasn't Alec Baldwin. And I don't even necessarily think like it could have been Alec Baldwin, but it had the part not been written in a certain way, had had the film not progressed a certain way. When he, when Alan Hunley dies, I don't think many people would have cared had it not taken the route that it did. The fact that sure. he is people find this as an emotional scene is incredibly well done as far as what the movie was able to pull off. Right, the fact that you can have that sort of emotion for. Again, what, you know, no offense to Alec Baldwin or anyone else, like, is just a side character.
2: Yeah, and and I think they did a good job with uh, the establishment of Hunley. I mean, we've seen Alec Baldwin in the other movies, but this this movie, like, quickly starts off his character in this film. That, like, you're here, we're, we're still together, you're the reason why, you know, you're still part of um, Mission Impossible and all, and all that. So like they establish that emotional personal connection with each other. Like we're in this together. I trust you. And then when we get the moment where he dies, it's like, oh yeah, they are actually they've gotten to such a personal professional level with each other that it it hurts when you see his character die because they got so close.
1: Yeah, and don't and and we can't forget too the way that the that that Alan Humley character was was brought up he was supposed to be closing down the MI series, okay so he was looking for reasons to do it uh, and it was through Jeremy Renner's character <clears throat> forgive me um, that Hunley was able to see what happened. so at the end of that movie, Hunley's on board he he understands it and so he even goes to the to the inquiry and says we need them. we need the MI we, we need IMF. the IMF, IMF. Full, we need them um, and you could tell through the passage of time that Hundley has really become to appreciate uh, Ethan Hunt and in this movie I think it's key and it's dialogue that he says no the reason that you care about one person is why I have you on the team because someday I might be that person and it's because of that that the whole mission that I trust you in the mission because you will do what's right. Not necessarily do what need be. You're going to do what need be done, but you're going to make the right decisions and protect the right people. And that's important in this job. And Ethan Hunt has always done that since the first movie. So that you can tell their bond was done. And it was just, yeah, there was a little bit of an emotional uh, lived there when when he died. Absolutely, it's too bad.
0: It's too bad, but it, it uh, you know story wise, like like from a writer's perspective, it's just a fantastic moment and really you well hope. done all around.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it kind of makes sense for to wrap out the Hunley character because what else could he essentially in just narrative storytelling? What else could Hunley add to the story?
1: Well, he's the he's definitely the M. from from Bond movies I mean he's the head of the organization I mean and that's the thing if I'm going to critique the movie at all that's what they've done Erica Sloan Angela Bassett. Because Erica Sloan is the early Hunley. She's the one, like, she doesn't believe in the IMF. She doesn't believe in Ethan Hunt and the team. She thinks it's because of them that they're in the mess that they're in. Because he didn't do his job right. And at the end of the movie, she turns around. And now she's protecting the IMF. It's sort of She's basically like the
2: new Hunley. Yeah. And it makes sense that you would kill off Hunley just to create another relationship dynamic between Sloan now. Because yeah, now it seems like Sloan's going to take over.
1: Yeah, and it could have been Jeremy Renner who can come back. I mean, the only reason he wasn't in this movie is because he was contracted to do Avengers. You know, Mm -hmm. and he wanted to. Well, I know, know, but he really, but that's the thing, too, that that I think is really cool about Jeremy Renner. Not only did he want to, he tweeted, like, in social media, he was in full support of everybody. I wish you guys the best. Wish I could have been with you. I mean,. That, that to me, there's no sour grapes there on his end. You can tell that he really respects that cast and crew and being a part of it. So hopefully in the next one, he can be a part of it. I'm glad he wasn't in this one because from what I understand, he was going to die that character. Had he been in it, and he would have died early. And I would have been like, no!
2: Well, <laughs> so, he's still alive, yeah. so we can see him in the next film. Yeah, but don't
1: kill him.
0: That, that was the thing, him. like, you know, uh, yes, he was contracted to Marvel, but they were going to get him for three days. They could have gotten him. And, and they would have yeah, killed him. Yeah, and that's the whole thing. He's like, I don't want to come back just for three days just to be killed off. Like, I'll come back for three days, but don't kill me off. I don't want to die. So, uh, who knows? <laughs> Maybe in the seventh... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But we also, not to sound
2: terribly he wasn't needed in this film
0: No, not like, at all There we, was we, no gap We had enough characters, we had enough to uh, deal with um, Speaking of a new character, the, uh, the White Widow I thought uh, she was an interesting character Great character uh, uh, A broker in between of all of this I mean, the, the, the irony is, like, as much as we're touting this movie, like, if you really stop and think about it, none of it half makes sense. Like, here's, here's a nuclear bomb as a payoff, you know what? And when you do this, we'll give you the two others. It's like, I already have one. I don't need <laughs> another one. But, like, for objectively, like, if he was who he says he was and wasn't the person that killed women and children, right. like, a la mm-hmm. William Money style. Yeah. That was just one of the more funnier lines. I'm like, Tom... Why are you saying that? <laughs> Anywho, I, th-
2: I think she w- she was cool to watch. Um, her delivery and all of her lines were just like, yeah, awesome. Like, you, you, she was kind of very, you know, captivating in that way. But it also, like, not to say it was hard to believe her. It was just you don't expect a person like with such dark ties and deep connections to so many different types of people in the uh, fields that she was quote-unquote in, you know, involved in. You right. don't expect it from someone so young and also, not to sound terrible, a woman. Hmm. Uh, like a person of her stature. It's It was kind of cool to see like, oh, this woman's tied to a lot of different ish.
1: A, a lot of different things. It, it There was this temptation of the dark side. There was this There was this playfulness that her mom, Max, shared with Ethan Hunt, and she actually got to accomplish something that Max didn't get to accomplish, which is she got to kiss Ethan Hunt, right, in that scene.
2: Not necessary. So not necessary. Just saying.
1: Right. Didn't bother me in the least. I, I understood it.
0: Why?
1: Yeah. Well, I I completely got it. mission
0: accomplished.
2: <clears throat> yes. Yeah. No, I
1: completely got it. And and the other thing that was great about that character is that she she was she's even though she was the white um, white widow the white widow she's definitely a gray character. She she could she's not necessarily evil. She's definitely not necessarily good. Um, and you sort of got that sense that that's in the lineage uh, when, you, when you compare her to Max as well. So she was a str- – in each scene that she was in, she commanded the scene. You know, she, her character made Ethan Hunt, even though Ethan Hunt was playing uh, – he was supposed to be uh, Lane, Jack uh, – John you know, Lane. John Lane. So he, he was Lane. uncomfortable. Um, uh, and John Lark. John, John, John Lark. Lark. John Lark. Solomon Lane. John Lark. Lark. <clears throat> so Thanks. Ethan Hunt is John Lark. Uh y- you could tell, like, it's stuff that she was saying. He was uncomfortable, but he had to go along with it. She was definitely and she had the charisma to do it and to not be overshadowed by Tom Cruise. But Tom Cruise also didn't allow himself. Like he didn't to, to like play bigger in the scene. Yeah, you, you get
0: that her. from uh, you get that from the first scene that they interact together he's like okay I gotta get you out of here and you know he's dictating it overall but she she takes out her knife and stabs just the same she's like listen oh great we'll do this I'll follow along like, it's great I you want to save me but I can save I myself can do too this too so um, ab- absolutely yeah she was a fantastic character um she is I you know, I kind of want to start introducing um, Michelle Monahan's character from, from this perspective, right? One of the things... There's so many ties to all the other movies, in particular the fifth one, obviously, that we've been talking about. But yet they do a really good job of... Even if you've never seen any other Mission Impossible movie, they reset things for you and introduce things exactly when they need to with this one in particular it's like okay hey uh you know ethan hunt if he really cares about you probably shouldn't be in his life because it kind of gets in the way of his job here's what happened to the last wife and so you know that, that comes as a great moment and you know anyone who's seen any other movie before will know oh she's probably gonna come back
2: yeah right And I think it was so interesting, too, because it has been more than 10 years since the third one. I totally forgot Ethan was married, honestly. So when we saw Michelle Madigan, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Shoot. What are you doing here, woman? Get out because you might get hurt again.
1: Yeah, but she was also in the very end of, uh, I think it was, Rogue Nation when they're all in San Francisco. Not Rogue
2: Nation. Ghost Uh, Protocol, I think. Was
1: it Ghost Protocol? They're Mm -hmm. all at the bar in San Francisco. And obviously you come to find out that they were purposely there because who do we see as a nurse walking into a bar with friends? It's Michelle Monaghan's character with Ethan Hunt looking over her. So Ethan Hunt is, and her character, though, has been a part of, like, Ethan Hunt's protection of her through the movies. Um, so she's been an important part, whether or not Michelle Monaghan has been In the movies, like for an extended period of time, other than just a guest cameo. In this movie, she had more to do. Um, And I really liked how she came, uh, like, she had a part to play. And I enjoyed that. And there was a closure uh, at the end of this movie of that relationship. And Ethan's always going to want to, Ethan's always going to love her and be protective. um, But he's happy that. She's outside of this danger.
0: <gasps> we'll, we'll backtrack, but uh, the, the sort of <clears throat> wink from her now new husband—do you think it was a like, "Hey, I, like, I get it, I know what you're really up to, and it's cool with me"? Or he's just like really just that oblivious and giving him some sort of wink.
2: You remember the, the
0: moment? You remember the moment <laughs> I'm talking about? Like, they're, they're, he, he finally uh, Ethan Hunt goes off, and uh, he's like, I forget what he says, but it, it's just basically a. F- might as well be the stupid like keep up the great work doctor right (laughs) it was like like, (laughs) like, okay okay, like I'm just saying that as like complete sarcasm because I know it's complete BS but I'm totally fine with it like again from the character perspective that's what he's saying not me as the audience member Uh, and I laughed at it I was like ah, good for you guys
2: I think that also just plays with the dramatic irony that the audience really knows what Ethan is right and that and Wes Bentley's character didn't
0: I I give him more credit than that. I don't think he's that dumb.
2: Oh uh, no! Yeah, I mean
1: he he comes off well. Number one, it was I was like, hey, I know him. I haven't seen who West Bentley. I haven't seen him in a while, so it was good to see him in this kind of a role, and he was having fun with it. Um, I I think that he knew there was a history between. I don't think he knows exactly what Ethan Hunt. Did to save all of their lives, yeah. but I think he knew that there was some history there. And th- that could have been the wink. Um, but I loved how, again, how it wrapped up because we get there was this great scene where we don't know what was said when Rebecca Ferguson whispers in Michelle Monaghan's ear.
2: Yeah, what was that?
1: And, you know, they go I off. And, and I thought that was brilliant because I don't know what was said, but it was something that, that, that necessitated it being whispered. And who knows? Maybe it would be, I'll take care of him. I'll do that. Whatever. And, like, there was there was an acceptance. And it was like Rebecca Ferguson's character Elsa <laughs> saying, you know what? Uh, I, I really do care for Ethan. And I know that he's always going to care for you, but I'm... You know what? I'm going for this. Absolutely. So, I, I I like I like that. Ending. I need answers.
2: We need another film so we can have Michelle Monaghan She's learned back. to lip read. <laughs> well the hair was, was covering covered. it too. That was he actually was covered. covered. Yeah, I mean. And I'm was. just like what does she say? What is she saying yeah, right now? I and then, literally, I, I like I did like that moment because it felt like a passing of one woman to the next. Not a rebound. That sounds terrible, but like it was the passing acceptance. from like the the first woman in Ethan's life to the next woman, and I it, you can see well, a mutual respect for each other, and I really enjoyed it. It, it, it. Yeah, and there was like, oh,
1: I understand. Like I understand why he loved you. I I get it, and I think. To me, it was a great scene.
0: It's the opposite of women being catty with each other and jealous and all the stereotypical bullshit that it's just been portrayed hundreds of times, and it's just completely yeah, exactly. unnecessary.
1: It, and right. they still needed to keep the facade up as well. But I think it was just really good. and It was just nice, and I don't know what was said, but it, was, it could have been, "I'm going to take care of him as he watches you. I will watch over him for you, or whatever it is." Something I found about. it to be
0: very. Uh, nice. I'm putting a hundred bucks that she said. Do you want a Kit Kat? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, okay. You want to have, have drinks after? <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, say, but it was just interesting
2: from the whispering to literally <laughs> Elsa going up to to Ethan. And yes. then there there was like that physical exchange and the look at each other. Yes. Like, what is happening? What is happening? I ship it. I totally ship it. Yeah. I I I, I'm usually, and I've said it on past anatomies, that I'm not one for the, the whole older man, younger woman dynamic like in the age gap because Tom Cruise is 22 years older than Rebecca Ferguson. Just saying. Just a number. But I I like the characters, both Ethan and Ilsa, so much and they are equals to each other. They really are, and I was like, "This relationship could work." I ship it so hard.
0: I feel like it, Tom Cruise's on-camera age is like forty. He's, although we don't yeah, need right. to go he's too far into <laughs> Dick Clark,
2: uh, you know. I mean, you know
1: he's aged extremely well. I don't have a problem with he and Rebecca Ferguson. Um, no. You know, as far as equals, like there, there's they are they they are each equally strong characters to the extent that I would go like. He can fly a helicopter? Like, even they don't know to the extent of what Ethan Hunt is able to do. And that's why, like, when Tom Cruise ever decides to bail on the series, right? I don't know who they fill it with. Because as much as I love Rebecca Ferguson she's not going to do the stunts that Tom Cruise did and I really do think that's an important aspect of these movies but I like how they have set up this relationship starting with the last movie and showing that she is a strong woman she can take care of herself and that both of those characters I loved when he says to her in this movie like walk away like, that's his way of not putting her down but saying I don't want you to come in harm because of me like just walk away like, I, you I know, care about you
2: too I much. I care about
1: you. You need to. Yeah, yeah, don't. And that that face-off scene in the car, and she's on the motorcycle, and he's like, like, don't, Damn don't, it. Make, yeah, he's like, yeah. And again, I, I think not enough. It's talked about fine acting in an action film, but the expressions on faces said so much more than words could. Right, and that scene too I thought was great and it was played off fabulously by both actors
2: but it also shows like why they are equals to each other because he will literally run her over and she also said the line like don't make me go through you like they will literally go over each other and go yeah. through each other and I'm like I like that that's fun because no, I, I dare you to name another woman in this franchise Mission Impossible franchise that would do that to Ethan Hunt who would actually challenge him in that way. No one well, besides him. The
1: only thing that I can come up with is, is, is Tandy Newton, who actually injected herself with the Chimera virus to help get Ethan Hunt out of a situation. Um, and believing in Ethan Hunt and and potentially, like, getting the antivirus. It's the only thing that I can come up with. Um, Apollo Patton's character was a really strong character as, as, as well in her movie but the chemistry between Ferguson and Cruz is undeniable. Really so truly good. is. It really so is. Good. It's very undeniable and, it, and what I will challenge is where in an action movie do you have this kind of chemistry? I mean, you know, this isn't me, Mr. and Mrs. Smith or, or um, whatever that movie was with <laughs> Brad no. And no. Ninja, Mr. and Mrs. Mr. Smith, Mr. Smith. But, but the chemistry here really evolved the story. And it actually moves it along. It's not cliche, and it works.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I, I want to talk about the, you mentioned the helicopter scene, so I want to talk about that. That's our sort of final action set piece, and a couple mm-hmm. factors going into it. Number one, th- there was a very deliberate decision, like, okay, we're not just going to let Tom Cruise be the climax of the movie. We have to have other elements as well. So uh, Benji and Elsa, they get their own little section. Um why we've been calling her Michelle Monahan. Julia, Julia. is her character Julia. name. You have Julia and Luther. Uh, Luther, Luther. <laughs> I was gonna f I forgot his character <laughs> name. We have Luther and her disarming the other piece. Uh and then of course we have we have Ethan uh going up against uh the real John Lark now, as we learn. And so you have all these elements kind of playing together. Convoluted maybe, but nonetheless, everyone has their part to play. Um and going into it. From my understanding, Tom spent a year and a half learning to helicopter pilot to pull this off. Yep. And as the third thing to set up this whole premise, there was only one country willing to accept this mission of letting Tom Cruise helicopter pilot a helicopter, which was New Zealand. That stands in for Casimir. Yep. No other country would allow it. And
2: there's a. <laughs> I mean, good for them. Now they're in the credit. Sure. But also just uh, on top of Tom getting his actual helicopter pilot. Like, we know he's a flyer. Like we, We've known that for years. But to, to now be able to fly a helicopter slash act slash just fly, you know, just do right. whatever he, he can in a scene. It's like you applaud him in that way, despite his personal crap that a lot of people don't like. But him as an actor, <clears throat> as an artist, what the hell? I mean... Who else does that? No one. Really? No one.
1: Good for him. <laughs> well, i say good for him, but again, it just goes back what is missing in your life, sir, that you need to f- fulfill this... Like and He wants this, this, this to entertain audiences. Well, like, literally, it. he's
2: going to die I, I, during a movie. He
1: could. And here's here's a funny thing, and, 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 and perhaps you already know about it. I'll, I'll say it for the audience, because maybe you haven't heard about this. So the scene where he's literally hanging from a helicopter... Okay, Uh, and he's on the the net. We'll call it. Mm -hmm. Well, Rebecca Ferguson and and, and Simon Pegg were watching. They weren't in the scene, but they're watching. They were drinking coffee, and they (laughs) were and they were. They they were filming. They literally
2: said they were like, "I was drinking a double espresso." Yeah, and
1: they know how nutty Tom Cruise is and doing his stunts, his own stunts, and he's climbing up, climbing up. But they didn't really know about the scene, and so when he fell, their initial thought was oh it's over we're done he's dead oh my god like he just like they fell they didn't, they didn't see the harness they actually had, they actually were like our careers are over <laughs> <laughs> he's dead they're like going. oh my god Tom it finally caught up with you and like it's shocking because I would have been the same way.
2: Well, it looked like he died. No kidding! It looks like he falls and hits and still alive. No one. And, and not one, only hands on holding on?
0: Well, one of my favorites <laughs> is like he was very conscious. He's like, I got to make sure I face the camera. I got to make sure yeah. I face the camera. Like he's out of all things, yeah. he's worried about. Got to make sure I face the camera. Well,
1: yeah. It, yeah. Well, that's in a plane sequence, but falling and then grabbing the net and they don't see him. No, but you the, also but notice that he is hes, he's, he's turning to yes, the camera absolutely. deliberately. And in And the halo jump, same deal too. I have to come here and I gotta look around, but I gotta be conscious of my cameraman. It is quite... He's cognizant about that. So, when you're talking that helicopter scene, number one, I actually do think that flying through those caverns like you know the, 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 like the the river there I, I think the look of peril on his face is real <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> I mean I really I think he was like it. going holy oh, shit <laughs> like, like what am Pull I up he's like yeah I do it <laughs> you know uh, uh, <laughs> but it, it, look God bless him I hope he never dies making a movie um, he's going to and
2: I think that's like I'm pretty sure that's how he wants to go up. But yeah, it's just
1: I know that he and Grizz McQuarrie talk about this they talk about it a lot about and they do take the time to to, to ensure that this is going to work. But it's a stunt, breaking an ankle, uh you know anything can go wrong. But again, I think it works with um uh, when you're talking about Tom Cruise and the realism and and him uh, interjecting ideas we we talked about this in The Mummy I don't think he's ever going to work with uh, I think it was Kurtzman whoever directed The Mummy I don't think he'll, we'll see him work with him again we'll see him, we definitely know he's going to work with Doug Liman again they did uh, um, Live, Die, Repeat uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of uh, they tomorrow. did uh, Made in America, which is a really good movie. He does his flying. We talked about mm-hmm. that here. He did, he even did his crash landing, <laughs> right? <laughs> These people are his muses. Uh, he's working with this uh, Joseph Kaczynski again, who we worked with on Oblivion, and he's making Top Gun Maverick. Uh, there's something about he's come a, a, a way in his career, and he's worked with so many directors in his lifetime. Right in his career so far, but these people, they entertain his ideas, they help bring these ideas. I don't think that Tom Cruise is like forceful. I think in the mummy, remember we talked about Tom Cruise was getting in the way of things. I don't think I don't think he
0: was it just um, was perceived that way.
1: Yeah, well, I just think that when he's working with Macquarie, Lyman, or Kaczynski, I think they again, I use that word simpatico. They 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 communicate in a way where they want to make, that where they agree upon the vision, and yeah. how, like Chris McQuarrie never says no, because I want to make the best movie, and show you something that you've never seen. His challenge was in this movie: how do I make it look different? Because that's one of the reasons why they've always brought in different directors to give it a different visual sense, and so they they made this movie look different than the last movie. You know,
0: Mm -hmm. Well, in particular, in that helicopter scene, in every other movie, the dropping of the cargo net onto the plane would have been the aha moment and everything would have been because it's just such a simple thing of like, oh my God, he pulled it off. He timed it so well. And the fact that this just falls in the water, it's like, crap, I got to think of something else. Right. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, I just got to crash into them. Yep. What else have I got? Yep. So, you know, that and it's... Uh, and when we talk about elongating the action sequences, that's a way to do it in a way that forces the hand of our protagonist to be like, I got to I gotta really one-up this.
2: Right. And I liked the... You could call it a running jacket. Like, how are you going to get the remote? I'll think of something. Right. <laughs> like, I'm getting into it. To it. And that <laughs> I'm was, making it a plan.
1: That, and that was like well what do you plan to do i i don't know yet i'm working on i'm it. working on it <laughs> wait 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 you hope that she's never met this <laughs> this um lang character before uh, yeah it's all i got mm-hmm. <laughs> you know he goes with his gut sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't and you're right phil that would have been, like, the pinnacle moment in another helicopter movie. Dropping the, the net on them, it's like, yay! But no, the scene goes on. It'd be too easy. It, it, it would have been too easy. It, would, it might have looked great. But having, to hel- having the helicopters hanging off a cliff, I mean, that, oh, rolling down a mountain... You just right. ratchet,
2: ratchet, ratchet. I just it's kept awesome. thinking, I was like, "What kind of roller coaster ride would this be at you, know, like an actual amusement park?" I was like, "This could be an actual ride. For, yeah. and people would enjoy it."
1: I just felt I amazing. Awesome. And on
2: top of that, Tom Cruise also had to scale the mountain afterwards to yes. get the remote. Yeah, like because yeah. That, that I love that that scene where he he's now on the mountain on the side of the mountain. Gearless rock climbing, again. literally free climbing, and the camera pulls away because the, the cinematographer is in a helicopter. You're like, Oh crap, he's really free climbing! Yeah, that's it, Tom Cruise,
1: and it just that harkens back to the opening of Mission Impossible 2
2: mm-hmm. when
1: he's rock climbing, uh, again. And it, it, it I he can I, do it. God bless him,
0: <laughs> God bless him. Absolutely. Uh, any other um, – we're getting to the time where we're going to start talking about promotion and so forth, and there's a lot to talk about there. But anything production-wise that you want to cram in real fast? Well, yeah,
1: yeah, actually, because I found this very fascinating uh, in Catch This. So the first cut, the first pass of the movie was just over, Catch This, three hours – Um, and then they screened a cut for an audience just 11 days after they put it together, and that ran 2 hours and 43 minutes without credit. (laughs) And the first test was 2.39 without credits, and we paired that back 20 minutes. Three scenes never saw the light of day. I knew the franchise well enough by then to know their chances of survival. I didn't even edit these scenes until I had settled in the final cut, and only then as an exercise. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. listen. If they if they decide to bring MacQuarie back, which they They should, (laughs) I think MacQuarie has hinted that he'd be game for it. They just should, because they work together well. And if they even want to make another Reacher movie, their biggest mistake, I think, was not going to MacQuarie. Bring MacQuarie back. The second Mm -hmm. Reacher movie was. Watchable, but it definitely wasn't as good as the first. And MacQuarie knows his stuff.
0: Eventually, I would love to see James Cameron and uh, and Tom Cruise <laughs> once Mc- once they're both done with a couple of movies. You know, first. I,
1: you know that's not a bad idea either. I, I think that underwater. They could, oh, I, I think mean, the they,
2: Rogue Nation had that underwater tank sequence, but like with James Cam- <laughs> James Cameron, that'd be ridiculous.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I, I mean, underwater. I agree. And I think you've got two very dedicated people, let's say, that I think that it could, again, they would be like, oh, yeah, well, what if we did this? And the other guy would go,
0: great idea. And what if we added this? Uh, it, would be, they, it would be such a display of one-upsmanship.
2: Yeah. It would be great. Fight sequence underwater. Just saying throwing that Fight sequence underwater. With not a
1: halo jump, but you're actually going to be in space falling.
2: They tased it. Why not?
0: Right. So the one aspect we haven't talked about is uh, the, the, the music as far as production is concerned. Um, and, you know, what's great is we always get the theme, but we, we actually get quite a number of variances that I appreciated in this. Uh, I, I thought, you know, the soundtrack, not only we, we, we've been saying this for a couple of weeks now, it served the movie. This didn't just serve the movie, but it elevated the movie. So I, and, and I appreciated that.
1: It did. Um, I'm going to go as far. uh, So, the past couple of times, uh, 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 who's the soundtrack golden boy? Uh, Michael Gianchino had done uh, a a few. And his soundtracks to the Mission Impossible series are really good. Lorne Balfe, my first watching the movie, I was like, hmm, a lot of this sounds, uh, okay, it sounds really good, I'm like, oh, there's a little Hans Zimmerish, and then when I actually got the soundtrack, listened to it, so, yes, uh, there's Hans Zimmer, Dark
2: Knight influences there, and believe it or not... Especially the dream sequence. Yeah. Because that was all music. <clears throat> but also, Lauren and, Belf was Hans Zimmer's personal assistant yeah, for ten which years. which
1: makes sense why it would sound like that, but I also, I also heard, believe it or not... Uh, mm-hmm. There was some Tron Legacy in there. I don't know where that came from, but there literally was some, some Tron Legacy soundtrack. You're right. There were different variations, interpretations. It wasn't just the Mission Impossible scene. Uh, and I agree with you as far as the movie go. It elevated. It did what it should. It never overpowered the movie, but it did ratchet up. It helped ratchet up the tension and the excitement and the adrenaline. It, was a decent, it's a, it is a decent soundtrack that works on its own. So, yes. if those people who like soundtracks, I would suggest you download it, upload it, stream it, listen to it. It's it's a, it's a good soundtrack.
0: Well, speaking of songs too, uh, I really love the use of Imagine Dragons' song in the trailers. Yeah, that's just had a great like <clears throat> kickoff pace to everything.
2: Don't write the fiction. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah. I thought, you know, uh, this so all oftentimes we kind of guess on the the marketing budget. This one. Um, has been kind of released now how fully accurate is i don't know but 140 million dollars just on advertisement that is a budget and a half for most movies yeah
2: yeah and and for the promotion they the cast so it was tom cruise henry cavill and rebecca ferguson uh and simon pegg they all went on the graham norton show back in january the beginning of the year, I remember I watched it when it first came out, so it was great. It was the first time that the cast has, who was still filming at the time, went on the Grand Norton mm-hmm. show, so they got it during production. And they mentioned before that that they were they were going to release the full trailer on the day of Super Bowl. Yeah, they were. They had the teaser during the Super Bowl, but the full trailer would be released the same day on YouTube. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think from a marketing standpoint, and, and again, I know at CinemaCon, I mentioned Macquarie and Cruise. Uh After they did their film School 101, they did bring out Simon Pegg and Rebecca Ferguson, and I believe uh, Angela Bassett showed up. Uh, I know later on that evening, Tom Cruise was fitted was with an award. Um, but yeah, they've been together. They know each other. I think that's I think that's the other thing, too, with Tom Cruise. I I think that he's come to a point in his career, and this could have been from a decade or so ago, where actors that he feels very comfortable with and and working together with, um, you know, like he he just, uh, they just announced uh, this Glenn Powell being, uh, he, he he missed the opportunity to play Goose's son in Maverick, the new Top Gun sequel, but he liked him enough that he's, they got another role for him to bring him in and I think he working with Simon Pegg working with Rebecca Ferguson too, I, I believe that he, likes this he just likes to work with some people and be, he understands that these people get him, he understands them they're professional, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Cavill work together with him again because I really think that Cavill brought his A-game in this movie uh, I really liked him a lot And I wouldn't be surprised if if they paired up in another movie. Uh, So, you know. Absolutely, yeah. I would would watch for that, and I would
0: would
2: go. Yeah, totally.
0: Well, here's a fun segue, too. Speaking of watching, a lot of people are watching this movie because it's pulling in some numbers. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I have August 1st numbers, but if anyone has more updated numbers, by all means, jump in. Otherwise, I'll just... Continue talking.
1: Yeah, no, I have the domestic total as of August second. Uh, currently, it's at eighty nine point four million. Uh, let's just call it it's about eight. It's about ninety thus far. Um, worldwide gross is two hundred and five. I mean, it's world. Tom Cruise. Uh, Tom Cruise is a star. He's a movie star. He is mm-hmm. like there aren't many like him today anymore. He's international. People love him. And the thing about Cruz is, if you've been noticing, since we're talking marketing a bit, and his traveling, he... Number one, he does have an entourage. Ever since that silliness that happened where somebody squirted him with a squirt gun. It's that that idiot. Mm. But he still will take time. I just saw a press... uh, He tweeted out a photo. Uh, I think it was the last premiere that they're doing, so he can get to go on vacation. But he took pictures with the crowd. And he was smiling. And he... He is a showman, and he will promote your movie, uh, and he'll go all out to do it. Like, he doesn't just stop. Some people don't like to do this. He rallies behind his movies, and I think that's a plus, and I think that's what makes him an international box office star.
2: Right, and this movie was also released <clears throat> internationally first. Yeah. Like, U.S. wasn't the first country to get it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: we are so mission last. It, yeah, it makes <laughs> makes sense that the foreign numbers would be actually be bigger than U.S. because they got it first. They had it two weeks earlier.
0: I'm guessing, like, you know, we do a percentage breakdown. I wouldn't be surprised if it was, like, 75% international. Like, when it's all said and done.
1: Yeah, the, mm-hmm. thus far it's about 56.5% in international gross, 435 half domestic. Um you know, it's the highest gross admission Impossible, opening weekend gross, Mission Impossible movie. Um, and again, I do think that that's towards the marketing. They found the niche in which to do it, but then they deliver the goods. It's not just one scene because they will focus on, say, the Halo scene. And I think it's brilliant because the Halo scene comes in 20 minutes. I said this at the top. There's a the rest of the movie to go through. And those scenes rival, it's not better than the Halo jump scene. Like, you think you see the best And it comes at the beginning of the movie. And I think audiences are attuned to that. And when it delivers and delivers strongly, you can hear the people talking about it exiting the movie theater.
0: Yeah. It's great stuff. Mm. It's mainly because they're playing our show on their phones. Yeah. (laughs) So they hear us. Yep. Uh, Well, I mean, A on cinema score, 97% on Rotten Tomatoes, 92% audience score. So across the board... You are correct. Everyone is talking about it in quite a positive manner. Uh, I was hard-pressed to find any sort of negative review. Uh, the only one that I found was The Guardian said, There isn't as much humor in the dialogue as before. And I disagree. <laughs> that, I'm also like, do you really? Like, I don't go to see Mission Impossible for the humor. This is not <laughs> a Marvel movie. I, no. I'm, I'm good without the humor.
1: And it's also the highest, if you're going by Rotten Tomatoes, it's the... It's the best-reviewed Mission Impossible movie of the entire franchise.
2: Good for it because it it deservedly. And it's the but
1: it's the sixth movie in this series, the sixth. You know how like difficult that is to accomplish, where like just to keep just to keep making good movies. Like, just to keep movies that might get in the 85 percentile in Rotten Tomatoes could be written because it's extremely difficult. If this
0: is a knock on Tremors, I will no, not hear no, it. No, 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 that no, franchise no. is fantastic, no. and the sixth one is right up there. <laughs> it's not a knock on Tremors.
1: I'm just saying, like, this is the sixth movie within this series, and at its sixth, it's getting its best reviews ever. And when you look back at the other movies, they didn't get rotten.
0: No, no, <laughs> <Yeah>. no, no. <laughs> Ever. Yeah, you can't say that for Fast and Furious.
2: No. Yeah. And Critics. I think that's the good thing with Mission Impossible. You think with the, the era of sequelitis that we have, that mm-hmm. people might get tired of this. And this mo- This franchise has been out for 22 years as of this film. Yeah. You think people might get tired of it? No. They the fact that, that it's gotten even higher ratings, more money. They're doing something right.
1: It, and it survived dare I say it, it survived Tom Cruise. Okay. So after the second one, in between the one that, that, that J.J. Abrams uh, directed, um, there is the period that some people will call Tom Cruise unhinged, where he was jumping on Oprah's couches. I didn't, really, I could care less if he was jumping on a couch saying how much he loved Katie Holmes. But Whatever. I don't care because I don't, what he does in his relationship, fine. What are you giving me for movies? So I know that there was even trepidation and part of the reason going into Mission Impossible 3 was to try to resurrect this career because it was in a tailspin because of all the mishigosh that was going on with his life, his personal life. But regardless, who cares? He bounced back quite well, because between that, he not only had Mission Impossible, I think Tropic Thunder may have fallen in there. He did Collateral. The guy's done a lot Did Valkyrie. Yeah, there was also
2: Night and Day. A, yeah,
1: he did Night and Day. Um, and then he kept on coming back to the Mission movies. The Mission movies, in a sense, were the movies that were revitalizing his career. But even when you watch movies like Made in America, he's never afraid to take a role that might not paint Tom Cruise in a bad, bad light. He'll take a villain role, saying collateral. He's been able to accomplish what what other actors, like, say, Harrison Ford, when Harrison Ford was in What Lies Beneath and he was the villain, that tanked his career. People did not want to see Harrison Ford like that. Tom Cruise, he's been able to accomplish that and get away with it, but he's a really solid actor, and I think his career is he's continued he's gonna to continue to be a star
0: absolutely. well, we've talked a lot about the movie. I'm sure there's plenty of other stuff that we could talk about, but that's what the comment section is for. We get to expand upon the conversation. hopefully we've given you enough to at least digest for now. Um, thank you guys as always for for tuning in with us and uh and all that. The mission is about to be over. The final things that we have to do is let us let you know where you guys can send us further missions. <laughs> at Serafini TV for Marissa. That's right. At D Movies seventeen oh one yep, for Dimitri. Please, I'm at Phil Svitek. and of course, this mm-hmm. is at the Popcorn Talk. Uh, we, are mov- we are on Twitter and Instagram. We're uh, at Movie Anatomy, but of course, the full name of the show is Anatomy of a Movie. Next week we will be doing Christopher Robin.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, looking forward to that. Um, and uh, The Meg in a couple weeks and so forth. Lots of great movies still to come. In the meantime, thank you as always. We'll see you next time.
1: Bye, all. Producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network. We would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network.